1: It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Daniel Gallon.
0: Oh my gosh, that's Daniel Gallon I'm looking at right now. Hi, I'm Bob Flounders. We're going to do a little Blue White Breakdown podcast for you. Daniel, I, can't, I say it at the end of every month, but in the offseason, but we're almost out of March, even though it feels like January right now, unfortunately. But that means April is up next, and that means... The blue and white game is, you know, it's getting close. Less than a month away, April 23rd, also my birthday, 2 o'clock, Beaver Stadium. Get to see some young players play in that game, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. But how are you doing? I know you are you got a little car repair you're dealing with. It's cold in Harrisburg, so it must be freezing in State College at 1130 on Wednesday morning. But how goes it?
1: It's going good. Uh, just had a, a nice weekend uh, traveling around to Philadelphia. Went down to Baltimore to see some uh, some recruits at an Under Armour camp. Got a haircut. Uh, getting the car repaired. It's you know it, it's business as usual. We're chugging along right now.
0: You just led me right into it. You had a long day in Baltimore on a Sunday. Off season Sundays that are long days. Uh, they're never fun because that's usually. A, Usually we get a lot of weekends off to kind of frolic before the fall starts. But I know you had a, a camp to get to, looks at some potential Penn State future Penn Staters, but let's I guess we can't bury the lead. Penn State did get a decommitment, I think, on that Sunday from a player that is in the uh is in the Maryland, DC area, Neo Avery. And I know that you've written about it, but let's just what else can you share? Uh, with the Penn State football fans about about Avery, his decision, how you think it came about, and what does it mean for Penn State moving forward?
1: Yeah, I think it's just one of those things. It just sort of happens in the recruiting process. Um, the way that Penn State does things is that once you commit, um, they don't want you taking visits. Um, they don't really want you looking around. Um, and so I think by reopening his recruitment, you Neo know, Avery gets the chance to kind of Um, you know, look at the landscape. I know that he announced some other scholarship offers that he'd gotten, uh, right after the decommitment. Yeah. I mean, Penn State still has one of the, the better classes in the class of 2023 with, with seven guys. Um, Avery was a really interesting prospect. Um, I think at the time of his commitment on New Year's Eve, while we were all down in Tampa, he was listed as at maybe three different positions across the four different uh, recruiting websites um six five big body it it seems like he's kind of settled into being being a future edge rusher some sort of linebacker defensive end at the next level and obviously that's the type that's the position where you can't have too many of those guys so uh penn state already has one player in the class of 2023 who decommitted and then recommitted um in mega barnwell Uh, he's now listed as an athlete by 24 7 sports uh from northern virginia so It'll be interesting to see kind of what happens uh, with with Avery over over the next few weeks, next few months.
0: Yeah, and I'm just gonna take. I'm gonna say this. I think this. Consider this a public service announcement for anyone that's listening or watching. It's never a great idea to make a critical decision on New Year's Eve, and I'm not talking about football. I'm just talking about life because things can get things can get away from you. I know in my twenties, my thirties. Most of my 40s, my early 50s, there's been some decisions I've made on New Year's Eve that I probably, within that's why they have New Year's resolutions. You you just end up thinking hard, long and hard about it, and sometimes you just gotta you gotta say I'm gonna take a mulligan on that, and I'm gonna move forward. But as far as Neo goes, you mentioned that this there was a there that Barnwell uh, kind of recommitted. You you would not rule out uh, Neo still being a Penn State a member of the 2023 class, or do you think that he's really going to open it up?
1: I mean, I think it's a little too early to tell right now. I mean, we'll see once once visits start happening and things like that. But um, I think that the way that the recruiting landscape has changed a little bit, I think that maybe in the past it would be extremely unlikely that if someone decommits, they come back. But I think that the way things are now with the transfer portal, you have to keep these relationships even if someone has committed elsewhere, even if someone decommits, because you never know down the road. So, you know, I think that relationship will will continue to be there, and then we'll just kind of see where it see where it goes from there. But uh, in regards to your New Year's Eve uh, comments, I mean, I think that any any time someone commits on a holiday, uh, I think I was talking to to Greg Pickle about that, where that doesn't necessarily uh, <laughs> uh, bode well. So, uh, maybe the more random mid June commitments, mid July commitments are are where you want to be.
0: What was there anything else uh, you, you could share about maybe that experience in terms of seeing some potential Penn State kids? And what just what was that day like for fans? They were just like, "Oh, you got you go get to go to the recruiting camp. That's got to be great because fans love recruiting, but those can be some long days. You got to really you got to really kind of pace yourself. There's going to be some downtime there, and uh, it just ends up being a fairly long day. So, what was it like for you? What did you learn maybe about some other Penn State potential targets?
1: Well, it was uh, it was at one of my, my old stomping grounds at, at Calvert Hall uh, College High School outside of Baltimore. I think the last time I had been inside that stadium was my senior year of high school for uh, the MIAA track championships. Uh, I believe I, I set my personal best in the 800 uh, leading off leading off our I don't know, I think our last place four by 18. Daniel, you got We got I got
0: to stop you there. You can't you can't reveal personal information and then not follow it to the end. What, what is, was your personal best in the 800? I got to stop you right there. What was it? Uh, it was not good. It was, it was 209. Two, I'm writing 209 down in case this ever comes up again. <laughs> uh, that is one thing I did not know about you. But anyway, uh, back to Cal. Paul, oh, go ahead.
1: <laughs> but, you know, it was just kind of a, a long day. Um, it was cold. It started snowing at one point. But uh, I think that it, it was good to see a lot of these guys, even though they're in the, you know, shorts, T-shirts, um, and kind of going through drills, I think that you can kind of get an idea, especially for some of these linemen, kind of how big they actually are. There's one Penn State commit there, um, Anthony Donko uh, from Light Ridge in Northern Virginia. And kind of actually getting to see him in person, getting to stand next to him and and look up at him. I think he's listed at six six three ten. Um, and he looks every bit of that. He's long. And you got to see him go up like in these one-on-ones against some some pretty high level guys. I think that he was matched up with Mason Robinson, um, who's a defensive lineman from. Stop me if you've heard this one before. McDonough in the I class. He's
0: not in on this guy. Come on. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I think mean, Mason Robinson will be with someone to watch uh, in the in the next couple months. Um, but so you got to see Donko go up against him, and you know I think he held his own pretty well. Uh, I talked to him for a little bit afterwards for a story that I think I think I put it on the budget for next week, um, and just kind of very. Good-natured, he came away from the experience. I think pretty happy. Um, you know, he said that he wanted to to work on some of his pass protection stuff. Wanted to learn some things about um, you know setting his feet, some development things. And he thinks that that he came away uh, came away pretty well with that. So that was uh, that was really good. I think to see someone who should be signing uh, in December. Okay. Before we get to some more Penn State football news. I was really
0: intrigued. We just had a little bit of an announcement on social media right up right before we started recording this. What is the deal with this summer golf thing at Beaver Stadium? If you look at if you look at maybe the headlines on some stories, it looks like you get a chance to hit a gol- drive a golf ball from the top of Beaver Stadium. Like what's going like what's going on? It's top golf or top end golf um and it, there are a lot of Penn State football fans that like the golf, so just a little mm-hmm. bit about what's going on with that.
1: I guess I should have explained what what Top Golf is uh, in in the story uh, in the post I just did, but I don't think anyone
0: knows. That. I don't think they. I don't even think Top Golf knows what Top Golf is. So don't feel
1: bad. <laughs> uh, so so Top Golf is just like uh like a high end driving range. I've never been the one, but I have friends that have done bachelor parties and just kind of birthday parties at them, and you know it's a normal driving range, uh, and they've got targets that that light up out and. Uh, according to the release, the the balls, you know, they they've got technology in them, so they know how far you've gone and you can score things. Um, so there's there's a little bit of a competition aspect there, but I think the the big appeal um, at, a, at a normal Top Golf is you go, you get food, you get drinks, and you just hang out and and hit some golf balls.
0: Do you know where and where and where will where will this Top Golf thing be constructed? Or if they've not released any details yet,
1: they didn't have any any specifics like that. Um, I would assume that it would be in one of the corners, you know, where the concourse is kind of opens up. Oh, so it
0: is right near Beaver Stadium.
1: It's going to be in Beaver Stadium.
0: Oh, see, that's right in. No, I'm glad. All right, so that is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it'll just be basically, uh, you get to go to to a driving range uh, inside the football stadium, June second to fifth this summer. Awesome. But some of those prices sound like they might be
0: a little. I don't, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit more than the average driving range because of the experience. But I think a lot of people would want to do that.
1: Yeah, I was I was talking to some people this morning about, about the price points. And it's one of those things where you're not paying to go to a driving range. Like you're not paying to go golfing. Like making that comparison, like it, that's apples to, I don't know, apples to my pen over there. So, you know, you're paying for the novelty. You're paying for the opportunity to go hang out and do something in Beaver Stadium that no one else has, has really had the chance to do. Let's move on here on the Blue White Breakdown podcast. And uh,
0: you wrote about him uh, recently. We've talked about him, but I think we haven't talked enough about him because I was thinking about something involving Zane Durant, the January enrollee from Florida, who was, a I think, a four-star defensive line prospect who's already starting to get a little buzzy in terms of, hey, he could possibly help us as a freshman. That doesn't always happen, but he's tested well. He's gained some weight. He's holding the weight on. I think James said he's not the tallest guy, but he's in the mid-260s. He threw out the Kevin Givens comparison, which Kevin Givens was not by any means a tall defensive tackle, but he was a powerhouse, a really powerful player, and he's now still in the NFL, I believe, with the 49ers, and I think he's gotten a lot better uh, in the last couple years. But anyway, Zane Durant, so he's getting a lot of buzz about maybe making an impact as a as a, a true freshman which is rare Daniel is this a half glass full half glass empty thing to kind of worry about because if you look at the defensive tackle rotation and you look at maybe who are some of the players that are going to be in it not a lot of proven guys and the guy that's most proven PJ mustafer is coming off very significant knee surgery, a knee injury that he suffered at Iowa last year. he wouldn't even we wouldn't even be talking about P.J. Mustafer as a Penn State player had he not had the injury, he'd probably be you know a top 100 pick in the upcoming NFL draft. But so my guess my question to you is when you look at this, hopefully this means they really like Zane Durant that much, but I'm just curious if they're just a little bit worried about the whole defensive tackle rotation to be mentioning a true freshman.
1: Yeah, I think that even just independent of what they've said or haven't said about Zane Durant, I think that it, it's an area of, of concern, uh, given the depth. I mean, we saw what happened last year when when they lost Mustafer, that really thinned the depth and it gave guys like Kaziah Izzard and Devon Ellies valuable experience, but then we saw in the bowl game, uh, once Derek Tangelo and PJ Mustafer were gone, it was a struggle um on the interior. So I think that I would say it's a, it's a glass half full, um, to be, I think it's a positive, it says positive things about the defensive tackle depth to be hearing Zane Durant's name, because I think we've talked about this before. Like when you see a defensive tackle or an offensive lineman come in, uh, you're kind of thinking, Oh, like this guy will contribute in two years and three years. And I don't necessarily think that Durant would be getting singled out like this if they didn't think he could contribute right away. I think that's a positive and I'll be interested to see once we actually get to December or not December, once we actually get to August and September, um, how they're going to handle him, you know, are they going to push him right up to that four game threshold for the red shirt early, or are they going to try to bank some games for maybe later in the season in, in case there are some, some injuries there. But, um, I will say in a related conversation, uh, a name that came up, I think at least two, maybe three times at pro day uh, in terms of asking guys on the defensive side of the ball who could take a step up next. Kaziah Izzard's name came up a couple times. So that's something to kind of, I think, keep in mind as we move forward. Um, he and Ellie's played, played a ton. Izzard, I think, will be a, a third year guy. So I think that he has the opportunity to take, take a leap forward and, those guys are going to have chances to, um, especially with, with Mustafer coming back from injury and you don't necessarily know where he'll be uh, come August, come September. So there's definitely some opportunities there. And I think that that could help accelerate you know, someone like Durant's development. Okay, Daniel, let's stay with the defensive
0: line. And this was another thing that was rattling around my big brain recently. So when you look at the defensive end room, James was asked about Adisa Isaac, I think, on uh, his during his spring news conference. I think Chuck Losey was asked about him. And everyone agrees that this was a kid that when he got to Penn State, he was one of the top recruits in the 19 class. Couldn't play last year due to an unspecified injury, but very promising signs for him being a key contributor. This year, I think we've heard some praise for Nick Tarbert and for the way he finished 2021. I think if you look at his last two or three games, I think they were probably the best he's played at Penn State, uh, and he played a lot of snaps. So that's good news. We've also heard from Chuck Losey and James Franklin about Zariah Fisher, the former linebacker from Western PA, I think Aliquippa, who is now up to 260, and every indication is he really has a shot to be part of the defensive end rotation. He looks like a different player. This is where I'm going to try and switch it up a little bit. So – is it just me? Have you heard one, one word at all about Smith-Vilbert since that three-sack game in one half of the Outback Bowl? It's almost like I was kind of hoping maybe Chuck would say something about him. I was hoping maybe James would say something about him. And, yeah, it's still March. But, you know, every I think all the fans remember, <laughs> I don't think a Penn State player's ever had three sacks in, that, in one half of a bowl game. There's not a lot coming out. Uh, maybe in the positive direction for Smith. Now, maybe I missed it. Maybe you heard something. But I kind of thought we would be talking a little bit more about him at this stage based off on maybe some teammates' comments or maybe the coaching staff's comments. Where are you on Smith-Vilbert right now?
1: Yeah, I think Smith-Vilbert got mentioned by someone after pro day. I'd have to look at, look through the transcripts um, in terms of the, the younger defensive linemen um, in the future. Maybe... Maybe it was Luchetta. Um I'm, I'm not exactly sure who, who brought him up, but it is kind of interesting when you look at kind of the 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 last impression that that some of these guys have made and kind of how that's resonated into the offseason. Like I think Sean Clifford didn't really make you know the best last impression. And I think that that's kind of colored a lot of the conversation. Uh, whereas Smith-Vilbert's last impression, I think, hasn't really resonated a lot. But I think that it, there's just so many moving parts on that defense right now. So many guys leaving and like that Penn State defense that we saw against Arkansas was not really indicative of the 2021 team. And I don't even know how, how indicative of the 2022 team it'll be just because of, of some of the the pieces there. But do you think that is interesting? I mean, I hadn't really thought about Smith- Smith-Vilbert in a while until you brought him up. So it's been kind of quiet. I think that He'll be someone at practice tonight maybe I'll I'll try to go take a peek at. Um, I know that you and I were both super high on him coming into last year after he got Brent Prize endorsement. Maybe coming in a little bit quieter, maybe, maybe that'll bode a little bit better for him. And that defensive end group is really interesting um, when you add in Isaac after his absence last year. Um, and I think that Vilbert is someone that they're going to need as a third or fourth defensive end w- once you really get rotating there.
0: Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. You were up there for pro day. I know you you wrote a ton about it. Very long day. All 32 teams were there. You know, there were some head coaches there. There were some DCs there. Um, I think there were a lot of eyes on a, on some of Penn State's premier prospects. Are there any dots you can connect based on your observations for Penn State football fans? Did you notice anything? Did you... Th- did you read anything into maybe who was talking to who, how, how some people looked? It's pretty clear to me that Rashid Walker must have had a pretty serious injury because he hasn't done anything. He has not done anything. He, did, he didn't test at the Combine. He didn't test at Pro Day. So whatever was bo- bothering him, and he was on crutches, I think, uh, all of the Outback Bowl week down there, I, I think to me he's got to be clearly waiting to be you know, closer to 100% healthy because he's he hasn't done anything, right?
1: Yeah, I think that Rashid Walker is someone that that you would draft and then just kind of get them and get them into your building, get them with your training staff, and then see where he is in July and August, um, in in terms of the in terms of uh, I guess I guess his readiness there. But for the for the rest of pro day, I mean, you can you can connect some interesting dots. I'll I'll get the one I'll leave the one that's most relevant to you uh, for the last one. Absolutely, um, you will. I have no idea which one that could be. I think that you kind of start with Jahan Dotson. Um, he was getting put through, uh, workouts by a Patriots assistant and a Ravens assistant. Uh, the Ravens assistant was Keith Williams, um, who I think has the title pass game specialist and he has a track record of working with a lot of, um, a lot of wide receivers who, who are in the NFL. Um, I've seen Dotson linked to the Patriots in a couple mock drafts here and there. So that was something notable. And then, the Green Bay Packers had a pretty large um, contingent there, including GM Brian Goody-Kunst, Um, and Dotson it has been linked to them in some mocks at 22 or 28 um, after the Devontae Adams trade. So those are two of the uh, more, more interesting ones, the Steelers linebackers coach and a Ravens linebackers coach were putting Brandon Smith and Alice Brooks through drills. You know, you could see either one of those teams drafting one of those players um, and, and it being a, a pretty decent fit. So those are a couple of the connections that stood out. And then the big one, I mean, the only, I think the only head coach who was there was Mike McCarthy and defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn was there both from the Cowboys. Obviously we know Michael Parsons with the Cowboys, Jesse Luchetta, uh is one of Parsons' best friends. And for a while, uh, Dan Quinn was just on, sitting on the turf, backwards hat, just chatting with Lucetta and Arnold Ebichetti for a while. So, you know, you can obviously draw a little bit of a, of a line there. Um, and also, I mean, I think early on, Jaquan Brisker was a, a pretty trendy, uh, Cowboys mock draft pick in either the first or the second round, um, for a while there. So wouldn't be surprised if the, if the Cowboys dip back into the Penn State pool.
0: Yeah, I, I'll tell you if if Jahan and I think Jahan Dotson to the Packers would make a lot of sense at one of those spots because they don't have anyone at wide receiver right now. They not only did not only did they trade Devontae, but that that Vontez Scalding, whatever that guy's name is, he walked too. He got a lot of money with the Chiefs, so they're definitely taking some wide outs. So I think Jahan would make a lot of sense as far as the Cowboys. I still don't know what Daniel. I don't know what Mike McCarthy does. He's got an offensive coordinator. And now he's got. They hired somebody else to be like, like in game critical thinker or some kind of coordinator on offense because Mike McCarthy's a bonehead. But I don't know what I don't know what he did. Why he would have been at pro day because I don't know how much he has to do with the talent evaluation because they have a guy they really like, Will McClay, who kind of really heads up what they do in the draft. So that was puzzling. But to me, the fact that Dan Quinn was in state college, if you you don't go from you know, Dallas Distinct College, which is hard to get to unless you specifically are looking at some players. I think they're all on the defensive side. And the, the guy that I think that uh, that Dan Quinn really, really is 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 curious about is Arnold Ebicchetti. I think that there are some people that have a very different view of Arnold. There are a lot of people that view him as like a top 50 player. I've seen some mock drafts where he's like late first round. I could see some people looking at him as maybe one of the top three or four edge guys in the draft just because of some of the things he can do. The Cowboys, I think, pick 24. and then They don't pick again until like the 50s. So if they were going to try and get Arnold, I I mean, they they could not get him in the second round unless they traded up. But he might be on the short list at 24. I would not be surprised. The Cowboys are not afraid to take somebody maybe that they love, that a lot of people think maybe he should be a little bit later in the draft. But I think that's a guy absolutely the Cowboys could use. I think uh, Lucetta is a guy also that a lot of teams could use, but I don't know where he would fit in Dallas. I think at this point he's more of the off-the-edge guy than he is maybe an off-the-ball linebacker. So I'm not sure what da- what Dallas's plans would be for him, but I could definitely see him with the Steelers or the Ravens. I'm not sure why Jahan Dotson would get worked out by the Ravens because they, they took – uh Hollywood Brown in the first round they took the receiver Rashad Bateman from Minnesota in the first round and i just think they got more pressing needs but who knows they might just be he's the best player left on our board we're going to take him but they they were kind of crappy i think this past year so i think they picked pretty high
1: i think maybe Dotson uh with the Ravens would be if he's still there in the second round and i i think kind of the the name of the game for the Ravens is is just to put as many interesting athletes around Lamar Jackson uh, as possible. With Penn State, Jahan Dotson, they, they put the ball in his hands as as a runner a couple times here and there. I mean, there's the the play against Ohio State where, where he scored the touchdown. But I think that if he were to land with a team like the Ravens, they could be a little bit more creative in how they use him. And that would be a place where he could go in. And, you know, like if Jahan Dotson goes to Green Bay, he has to step in and, and pretty much be the guy right away, uh, just because it's not going to be Alan Lazard somewhere like uh, Baltimore, he can come in, you can move him around the formation, um, you know, get him into space uh, with, with the way that that offense runs. Um, so I, I can kind of see that. Um, with, with Luke Heda, I see, I could see him being one of those kind of fifth or sixth round picks that a team sort of takes a flyer on where this guy can do a couple th- couple different things pretty well. Let's just bring him in. It's not a big investment. Let's bring him in and see where we can use him. Um, and and what kind of things he can do for us, um, and then Ebiketti, I think, is just a really interesting prospect physically. Like, there's there's so many tools, and I think I've said this before, where I have his uh, chart up right now, and his height is only in the 16th percentile uh, for defensive ends, but his arm length is in the 72nd. With you know a really great vertical, a really great broad, he ran the 40 well. A very interesting kind of physical profile and. I talked to someone who was at the Senior Bowl. He said that he really likes Ebiketti and that he was really impressive down there. So I think Ebiketti is one of the more interesting ranges. Um, in the initial Mel Kuyper mock, he had him going 16 to the Eagles. Um, but then last week, Kuyper said that he sees Ebiketti firmly in the second round. And a lot of the mocks, I think, reflect that in terms of, you know, maybe his ceiling being 30th to the Chiefs um, and then, you know, going down from there in the second round. So. I think that part of it is that the way the, the edge rusher class is this year, I think that he's kind of getting pushed down a little bit because there's so many elite guys, but I think he'll be a great value pick.
0: I'm with you. The more I think and I and I didn't want to dismiss ja- I didn't want to dismiss Jaquan Brisker at all. I think he is absolutely a guy that could go uh late in the first round. Like you can't possibly have uh a safety more much more athletic than Jaquan in terms of what he can do. Uh, in terms in terms of testing numbers, and when you combine that with the fact that he can he is a force against the run, he's also he may, I mean you saw in the Wisconsin game he can make some plays he can diagnose some uh, plays as as in pass coverage. So I know everyone likes that Notre Dame safety and certainly he was had a great year. But I think Jaquan Brisker is really going to help somebody. My only question is I just hope he's whatever that upper body shoulder thing was. I hope it's just not. Something that's going to bother him for you know several years. Hopefully, it won't keep popping out on him. But boy, what a player! I think Ebiketti's going in round one. I really do. I just think that there's 32 teams. It only takes two to say, "Man, we we are not going to let. We got a need, and he's a talented player, and he's he's you know he's 25 on our board. We're going to take him." I I just think this is going to be a really really interesting draft, Daniel. For Penn State, before we close up though, two testing timing questions for you. I was rooting for Ellis Brooks at Pro Day, but I saw that four seven seven uh in the 40-yard dash. How much do you think that hurt him?
1: I mean, I guess that it, it didn't help, um, but I don't necessarily know how much it hurt, you know, because he was already in that day three to undrafted free agency range. And I think that he's someone where you'll look at the, the physical testing. And I think he's someone that you would draft more based off the tape um, than, than physical testing.
0: Yeah, and he was, I think they said, was it the East-West Shrine game he was at? He wasn't at the Senior Bowl. It was the East-West Shrine game. They, they said he was a standout, like all week in practice, a leader. And that kind of was reflective of what he did at Penn State, especially his last year there when he had 100 tackles. He played with a cast on his arm. Uh, very, Just a very, very tough player against the run. So I just wasn't sure what you thought about that time. He could have just gotten even like into the high four sixes somehow. That would have helped him, I think, definitely get drafted a little bit earlier. So we'll see. Uh, one more testing question for you, just to show you that I've been paying attention. So if you ran the sixteen hundred meters in two oh nine. Eight hundred. Like, like the eight hundred meters. Yeah, because that would yeah, if you did it in two oh nine. Ooh. So what is the fastest you've ever run a mile in?
1: Uh four fifty
0: four. Yeah, each sub five minutes. That's uh, crazy. What could you do it in right
1: now? <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe seven thirty. Oh wow, that might be pushing it. That is a big drop. I thought you were going to say like high fives. Uh, it, it's been it's been almost twelve years since that that four fifty four. That's oh, a long five time.
0: Minutes for ooh, did you do it ever run any marathons?
1: Oh no. Okay, no. I was stri- strictly middle distance. I was I was bad at cross country and the two mile.
0: Maybe that can be a summer goal for you to kind of get back to. Maybe six minute miles, something <laughs> like that.
1: I was. Uh, it took it took me so much work to even be able to run like a five thirty mile. And uh, after after my track career ended, I, I thought about all the work that it took to get down to that four fifty four, and I was like, nah, like I don't, I don't need to do this again.
0: <laughs> yeah, like a boxer who was, you know, a top ten contender in the world for five or six years, but he was always making weight or a wrestler, and now they they want no part of that discipline anymore as they get over. Also, the growlers are not helping you, Daniel. They're not helping you. I am no one to judge. I was just curious. I'm like, wait a minute. 800, 209, 1600 meters, that's kind of in like somewhere. Isn't that somewhere near a mile? I'm like, what is his best? What is his best mile time? So now I know. Sub five-minute mile. All right. Kudos, my friend. Kudos. All right. We have a Penn State practice to get to later today, and you have a Penn State Blue-White Breakdown podcast to get to later this week with i believe dustin Hawkinsmith. so i think we covered a lot of ground we've talked about golf track we've (laughs) talked about zane durant we've talked about the pro day we've been all over the all over the map but that's what happens uh when we get to late march i think when it comes to the podcast so daniel hang in there good luck with your car repair and daniel and i will talk to you guys next week this has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Pen Live.